Welcome to the Needle's Eye Faith and Work Show, a show that aims to help Christian professionals grow in Christ, find your purpose, and transform your workplace. I'm Jeremy Waltz with Needle's Eye, and I'm sitting down with working men and women to find out how their faith impacts their work. Today, I'm joined by Salathia Johnson, financial advisor, life coach, and networker. Salathia, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for coming. I know you've got to be super busy with all the millions of things you've got going on, but for making time today is just a huge honor. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And then, I, look, I would love, because I know more about you than probably most of our viewers. So I, I want to give you a minute mm -hmm. just to give us like a quick glimpse into your life. So who are you? What do you do like for fun? And what do you do professionally? Yep. Um, so I'm Salathia Johnson and I... Oh, what do I do? It's a big um, question. I, I do a lot of things. Um, what I enjoy doing mm. these days is napping. Like, oh. I learned that there's a nap ministry. Is there? Yes. Tell and there more. is a theology of rest yeah. and a theology of, of napping. And I'm all about the naps. I've got to learn more about the theology of napping. That's new to me. I, I fully support it, but I want to learn yes. more about that. Yes. Um, so just really honestly, you know, taking some downtime, yeah. resting, reading, you know, sleeping, being present yeah. in the moment, uh -huh. right? Um, if I'm eating dinner, turn the television off and kind of like be in the moment yeah. and enjoy what's on my plate, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so... Being that's, fully present. Being I like fully that. present. Yeah. That's what I'm into now. Um, professionally, I, I work for Virginia Housing. Mm -hmm. I'm associate chief in the legal division. Yep. Um, and so I've been there since December of 2021. Okay. Um, but I've been in the housing industry my entire career. Wow. I've had different um, jobs within the industry, but it's all been related to housing yeah. and finance has always been connected to it. Right. Naturally. And then I also have my business, uh, Key Financial Solution, yeah. which I provide some financial coaching. And that's pretty new. Key Financial Solution has actually been around since 2000, oh, around about not 2000 or so. Okay. Yes. So it's so not. I only, it's new to me. It's new but, to you. Okay. Um, we recently went through some rebranding. Um, I took time to invest in a website um, to get a business coach, wow. right? Um, just because now I'm at that place where it, it has been so long and it's been something that I've been doing here and they are setting it aside, then coming back to it. Yeah. Um, but it really is um, the work that my soul must do. It okay. is the thing that I know that the Lord has really called me to do. Yeah. And so now I'm in that season where I want to invest into it and give to it what it deserves. Right. So, okay, I did a little bit of sleuthing mm -hmm. and I went through the website <laughs> and I read some of the story that you posted there, mm -hmm. which was incredibly compelling. And I think pretty raw. I mean, to put that as th this is who I am. This is the business I do yes. right on the front page. Here's a story about some of your mm -hmm. own failures and insecurities. Yes. I thought that was incredible. Mm -hmm. But you also just made the statement, this is what my soul needs to do. Mm -hmm. So can you unpack that a little bit? Why, why this? And then how do you know? I mean, housing is an incredible thing to be part of as well. Yeah. yeah. Why is this the thing that feeds your soul? So long story part, like I'm gonna give you the backstory on it. So when I started out in the nonprofit sector, 
um, for a housing organization. My role was to um, provide lease purchase opportunities, okay. a home ownership program for families who had either been homeless at some point or were at risk of homelessness. Right. So over five years, we would take them through this process of purchasing their first home. Uh, the first group that we worked with, we got to year four. Wow, okay. Right, five-year program, year four. And um, some of the families did the very things that we said you shouldn't do oh, when you're no. trying to qualify for a mortgage loan. So I was trying to figure out why would somebody, you know, be in a program for four years, get to the last phase of it and do something to prevent your ability to purchase a home. Right. So for myself personally, I'd taken what was called a bitter root judgment class mm. and on core beliefs, yeah. right? And so sitting in that class talking about bitter root judgments and core beliefs and your core values, right? I had this revelation about the folks that were going through the program and the ones that sabotaged their ability. It was about their belief system. Okay. There was something in them that did not believe from the beginning that they were really going to be able to purchase a home. Oh, so it was wow. almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy kind right. of thing. Right. Um, but the way that, you know, so the Lord just began to show me that it was a group of people going through that program that they were dealing with some historical generational trauma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and while they said they wanted home ownership, they didn't believe it. Yeah. Right. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right. And so I it that just some that grabbed a hold of me. Right. Just this idea around belief system. And, you know, why do we do the things that we do? Right. Right. And um, I went back to my organization and I was like, listen, I think that there's some deeper work we need to do. So we partnered with VCU School of Social Work. Wow. Um, we did a research study, if you will, like an impact study. Yeah. And lo and behold, we did. We found out that their belief system really was what was keeping them from being able right. to be successful, not just in home ownership, but other aspects of their lives. Right. And so that became the thing for me. So as a financial educator, we were doing a really good job of teaching people, you know, about financial literacy, mm -hmm. how to, you know, improve your credit and save and do all of those things. But we weren't meeting people right where they are yeah. around their belief systems. And so I really wanted to coach people through that stuff right so that when they got on the other side of whatever it was they were trying to accomplish that they would really be able to be successful and sustainable right. with it so you use the term you know kind of a, a, a belief system or a false belief system that they mm -hmm. and you're obviously coming at this from a, a christian perspective mm -hmm. you've, you've walked with the lord for a long time and mm -hmm. i would say it kind of just permeates out of who you are oh thank you but when you say belief system here you're not talking about like oh they're their Christian belief system or their non-Christian belief system. Mm -hmm. You just mean like what they believe about themselves. Just what they believe about themselves. But this is the thing that I learned about core beliefs, yeah. right? Your core beliefs are the essence of how you see yourself, mm -hmm. other people, and God. Right. Right? And so what I believe to be true about God 
impacts what I believe to be true about myself. Interesting. Impacts what I believe to be true about what I can have yeah. based upon what he says and based upon how I see him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so over the years, God began to thread the spiritual and the natural together for me mm. in that way. So that just like you said, I could show up authentically as who I am. And, you know, there are times where you can introduce God into a conversation and you never mention his name. Yeah. Right. And then there are other times where I we can we can have that full out conversation. But at the end of the day, I get to center people before God. Yeah. Doing this work. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a really beautiful way to look at it, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm really honestly fascinated by this belief system stuff because mm -hmm. actually, again, I, I sleuthed. And I read a lot of your website mm -hmm. and you, you spent a lot of time talking about how you yourself had these really uh, entrenched false beliefs Yes. Um, attached to your worth as a human being, attached mm -hmm. to your relationship with money. Yep. And it was through reframing and coming to have a proper belief system, to have a proper view of your relationship with God and money that yep. you were able to get control over that part of your life. Yes. So what are some, and maybe you can't speak universally for everyone, mm -hmm. but what were some of those false beliefs? What was some of the, the uh, faltering relationships that you had financed that you had to overcome? So for me, it really started around, let me back. So what began to change it all for me, right, was the idea that God had to break me down and show me how much I did not trust okay. him, mm. right? Yeah. And how I was so independent, so busy trying to do things on my own, I was not inviting him into the equation mm. in my financial life. I thought I had to figure that out. I thought, okay, if I'm paying my tithes, like I'm doing those things. Right. But I did not have a relationship with God as it related to my money. Interesting. Right? Okay. And so the first thing that he began to break down for me is you have to change your language, right? Mm. And so I always would say my money, my house, my things I own. And I had to begin to understand I own nothing. Yeah. I'm a steward. Mm. And that is very different, right, from being the owner of yeah. something, right? And so I began to reframe this idea that I've been mishandling the resources that God has entrusted into my care. Mm. And I have a desire to be financially wealthy and prosperous and always, but right. financially, because you need resources to be able to accomplish things. But trust was an issue and it was a two way thing. Yeah. I wasn't trusting God and God was not in a place where he could trust me with what he wanted to release right. to me. Right. Yeah. So it really had to start there with me beginning to reframe that I don't, I don't own anything. It all belongs to God, yeah. which is what the Bible says. Right. right. And so it started from there. So then I began to really delve into, well, Lord, one, I repented. I went through and I do this with my clients um, We because we experience financial grief whether we realize it or not sometimes. Sure. So one of the exercises that I have my clients do is around lamenting. Mm. 
Mm. Right? That is an overlooked concept. That is not a practice that people are accustomed to. No, it is not. But there's such healing in lament, right? And so whether it's a lament for yourself or you're lamenting for your the generations that came before you, right? right? So let's, let's deal with that piece of it because I'm really about this idea that if someone is coming to me, it's because you're ready to break mm. something yeah. that's been a stronghold in your life, that's been an obstacle, yeah. right? And you're really ready to do the work to take the next step to overcome it. But before we can get there, let's go, let's deal with the grief of it. Let's deal with the anger yeah. we might feel, the guilt, the shame. Um, let's deal with the indictments that we make against God. God, why did you allow this to happen? Because when you are, you know, especially when you are talking about generational poverty, generational lack, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the God you know, that God somehow didn't show up for right. me and my family, yeah, right? For one reason or another. You've got to unpack that yeah. because before we can go forward, right? Like people don't understand, well, not people. Some people don't think that God can handle, you know, our anger yeah. towards him. Sure. And certainly, you know, he can, and yeah. he makes space for that. Um, and so we deal, you know, we deal with the lament of it. And so I had to do the same thing. I had to go through grieving the choices that I made and those choices, the places that it put me into. Right. So like, you know, on my website, I talk about, you know, here I am grown, <laughs> right? I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown woman <laughs> yeah. and was in a financial situation where I had $1 and, and I promise you it was $1. Yeah in my checking account. And my mother had to meet me at the gas station to put some gas in my car. Yeah. Heart, right? And that's gotta be, that's there's a shame humbling... attached, there's guilt there. Yes. All of that is attached to it. And God is so gracious and so loving that when he is trying to do something mm -hmm. in your life, right? He will send the people to, he'll, he'll protect you in it, right? He'll send the people to come alongside you that will support you where there's no, there's grace. Yeah. Right? Um, but he will only let them do but so much. Yeah. Right? And so usually because my mother would have been there to, to, to help bail me out. But this wasn't that kind of situation. Yeah. Right? It was really a situation where I had to come out of this, yeah. me and the Lord, right? And so, yeah, so she met me at the gas station, put gas in my tank, and I remember driving away and I just broke down, Yeah, broke down. And I was like, Lord, how much longer? You know, like I was trying to do everything I knew to do to come out, even trying to get a part-time job at like Kirkland's. Right couldn't get a part-time job at Kirkland's. And I knew I was more than qualified for right. a part-time, you know, right? So, you know, that was the Lord trying to do something. And and I would, I would hear the Holy Spirit speak. And each time I would hear the Lord say, trust me, mm. I'm gonna bless you. Yeah. But I couldn't see any of that right. at the time. Well, and that's faith, right? Mm -hmm. Faith is the evidence of things that are unseen. Mm -hmm. So even thinking through that, I mean, this isn't a time when you're, and maybe it is, but, Somebody looking in on your life during that time, 
Would they have had any idea that this no. was shame you were battling? No, no. Um, I think I talked about that on the website as yeah. well, is that um, the presentation that I put forward, no one would have ever known my secret if I didn't tell you the way I dress, you know, the way that, you know, I just carry myself yeah. and would live my life. But the reality of that, it was false. Right. Right. And so God was breaking all of that down too. Right. And there's a level the same of time. identity attached to that. There was an identity yes. you presented mm -hmm. and there was a, maybe a little bit of a different identity that was your reality. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And so just being willing to submit and to surrender, um, all of that, all of who I thought I was, all of the attachments that I had I had yeah. at that time, and even surrendering, letting go of the guilt and the shame. Yeah, that's huge. Right. I would honestly, I would love to hear a little bit more about that because mm -hmm. I, I think one, I think shame is not really something God intends for us. Mm -hmm. You know, shame is something we're saved from. That's mm -hmm. that's Jesus on the cross. He's removing right. that. Right. And yet shame is something that every one of us carries with us for some reason or another. Yep. And for you to, to be able to talk about in general, I mean, your, your whole self being mm -hmm. able to let go of that. Mm -hmm. But in particular, finance seems to be a source of shame for mm -hmm. dozens to thousands to millions of people. Yeah. Um, lots of it, you know, the guilt and the shame. So guilt being around, I should have made better decisions, shame around, I should have known better yeah. and should have done better. Um, and the reality was I did the best that I knew how to do, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Based upon who I thought I was and the limited choices I believed I had yeah. to make, right? And so when I began to surrender all of that and say, okay, Lord, who do you say that I am? Yeah. I mean, I literally had to start to ask these questions. Right. Who do you say that I am? And during that time, some spiritual things were happening in my life. And so on the spiritual side, I began to understand, yes, um, I am a daughter, I'm a, I'm a child of the most high, yeah. right? But then I also began to understand in ministry who I was and mm. who I was called to be, right? And as I began to connect the dots between I, I'm, I'm loved unconditionally, yeah. right? That was the part that God had to settle for me, that there was nothing that I could ever do. Like he already knows yeah. what we're gonna do before we do it. And yet his plan is still the plan for me. Like that was a recurring message for me, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I began to settle and accept his unconditional love, it's something when you hear the Holy Spirit whisper to you, hey, I love you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know that's God, right? it settles some stuff, yeah. right? And then as you begin to go through your life and you see the things that he did save you from and mm -hmm. prevented from happening, and you begin to look at all the stuff that you'd been you know, bowed over in shame and guilt over, and it's like, wait, but he saved me from all of that. Yeah. I don't have to be weighed down with that anymore. I can let that go. That's the gift, yeah. right, of salvation. And so I begin to take that very seriously, mm -hmm. right? And applying those things that I'd been saying or I knew and began applying them 
to this situation in my financial life. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. And I, it began to help me to come up out of the emotional stuff because money is emotional. Okay, that makes right? a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and being freed from that shame, that guilt, being freed from certain patterns that mm -hmm. you probably thought like, well, this is who I am. This is just what I do. Yeah. To find freedom from those things allowed you to look at it and say, all right, what is the, the faithful way to mm -hmm. really approach this, which probably redefined mm -hmm. so much of how you chose to go about managing your own finances. Yes, and so when you talk about habits and patterns, so there, there's this um, um, game that I play with my clients where it helps them to identify their money personality type. Okay. And so it identifies what your habits and your beliefs are around money. And so this is the thing, there, just like with anything, there's there's the positive sign and there's the negative, right? There's the there's the light and there's the shadow. And so when I my money personality type is that I am a planner, mm -hmm. right? And I'm a saver. Okay. Naturally. Right. Been that all throughout childhood coming up, right? Always had a plan for how I wanted to spend my money. So um, planning is my primary money habitude, and then security is my secondary, right? Mm -hmm. So having money makes me feel secure. Oh, okay. And so when I don't have it, and to give you a practical example of what yeah. that looks like and how it can work against you yeah. when your emotions are in work at play, is if money makes me feel secure, let's say money is tight. I have a thousand dollars, right? and I get a bill and I need to pay 500 of that out on this bill, security, the negative side of my security personality is gonna say, well, you need to hold on to this thousand dollars because you don't know when more is coming. Right. So I'm gonna pay the bill late. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And so I, fear. I make fear. Is preventing you from doing something that could even help you. Exactly. And so it's a, it's a false belief because the reality is keep staying stuck in that pattern yeah. keeps you stuck in fear, right. right? It keeps you stuck from being able to um, experience peace mm -hmm. and rest and all the things that you say are important that are of value right. to you. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so that was the beauty about um, me learning about that game and then how I applied it to my life and then how I applied the word of God to my life. Yeah. So again, foundationally, it started with having to deal with my thoughts, my beliefs and my emotions before I ever got to the numbers. Right. One of the things that we, we talk about through Needle's Eye, uh, some of the studies that we'll do or lead, mm -hmm. the idea of uh, root beliefs or root causes. Mm -hmm. And you talked about that actually early on, how you took this class on, on you know, some of the, the root beliefs we have about ourselves. Yes. And it sounds like one thing you're saying is um, you learned or you, you learned the necessity mm -hmm. to attack it at the root. You yes. also learned how to actually discover, discern. What are these root beliefs? What are the things that are yes. causing me mm -hmm. to make these decisions? Some of it's insecurity. Yes. Some of it's a belief that, well, I can't do better than this. This Correct. is the best that I can accomplish. Yep. So realistically, how, how do you overcome those? Yes. So, um, in theory, and I put it out, I'm, I'm not a, 
therapist or a psychologist by nature, but we base our coaching work off of the cognitive behavioral therapy model, right? So the idea, just like you said, we identify the self, um, the self-defeating thought or belief, and we learn to replace it with something that is truth. Okay. But the way that you make that stick is that it has to be aligned with a core value okay. that you have, right? Yeah. And you have to begin to live out of your values. So you're not making financial decisions out of, you know, what you believe. You're you're making it out of what's important right. to you. What brings meaning to your life? So now my actions are going to be every time I spend a dollar, how does that fit into my value? Right. One of the things that I also do is, like I said earlier, some work around looking back through the generations, because there are some values that we've adopted or, you know, have been taught and we live out that aren't our own. They're our parents or our grandparents' values, right? And we're trying to live those forward. And then we come to this place in our lives where we find, well, that doesn't really work for me. That's because that's not yours. So we need to let that go, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can identify and put into place the things that are. So it's identifying the negative self-defeating thoughts and behaviors, beliefs, right? Identifying your values and then looking at your habits, right? So what are the habits that are keeping me stuck in this pattern, Yeah. right? And then it's okay. So now that we've identified it, like I take them through an exercise Mm -hmm. where you really identify the habit because habit needs a trigger, right? It needs a reward, right? And so what has been the reward? And if the reward has been negative, okay, then what do we need to do to change it? Yeah. And it can be something as simple as, we're going to we're going to set up a realistic amount that you're going to deposit into your savings right. account. So you might have been your goal is I want to save five hundred dollars a month. But when we actually go through your spending plan and we see that you really can't afford five hundred dollars, we're going to scale that back. Yeah. Right. Maybe two hundred dollars is more realistic for you and one hundred dollars per pay. Right. That's something that's realistic. And so you begin to put a mechanism in place where you can now set yourself up where you can consistently save. So what does that do? That exits out that when people come to me and say, Slathy, I can't afford to save. That's not true. Right. Right. It's just that your belief, your desire of what you want to save, that's great. Right. But where you are right now, we need to look at what's preventing you from getting there and then start here so that we can get you to that ultimate goal. Well, you talked a lot about how you you went on kind of a scriptural journey. Mm -hmm. You really sought the scriptures to get a better understanding of the relationship we are to have with our finances. Yes. And I think you even described yourself as being spiritually bankrupt for a time. Mm -hmm. And and this journey didn't just change the way you viewed finances. It changed Mm -hmm. the way you viewed God. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes. So that whole idea around, you know, God being a provider. Yeah. Right. When I looked back over my life, he had always been providing for me. I've never lacked even during that really difficult, dark financial period in my life. I lacked nothing. Yeah. I had food to eat. 
my lights were on, my bills were paid, right? I, I didn't have a whole, it was tight, yeah. like I said, but I lacked nothing. And what I needed, he would send and he would provide, mm -hmm. right? And so again, that idea of inviting him into the uh, my financial life in every sense of the word, Lord, I this is what I need. I had to get that simplistic with it because I wasn't doing, I wasn't asking. The word says ask, Yeah. right? And you don't receive if you don't ask, right? right? And so I wasn't doing that. So that idea again of trust, inviting him into the equation, asking for what I needed, in faith, believing that I was gonna receive what I needed. And if there was something that he wasn't releasing to me, mm -hmm. it wasn't meant for me to have, right? Yeah, that's, that's trust. Yes. Because I think that that can be one of the biggest hindrances. People look at and they go, well, here's my plan. Mm -hmm. And so, God, I'm, I'm praying that you would help me with my plan. Mm -hmm. And to learn that if he shuts the door, it's not him being unfaithful. Mm -hmm. It's him saying, yeah, but that's not my plan for you. Mm -mm. And, and, and being okay with that, yeah. right? Like that's hard. That's that wrestling with ego, right? We, we know that's what happened between Jacob and the angel. He yeah. wrestled with himself, <laughs> right? Wrestling with his emotions. This is, this is Salathia's interpretation yeah. of this. Yeah. You know, your emotions <laughs> with what God wants and what you want. And sometimes we, God has to break us, yeah. right? We don't like to use those words, but, you know, get us in a posture, in a position of submission, yeah. you know, and surrendering to his will and his plan because his will and his plan is perfect even when it looks like a mess yeah. for me. There's beauty in there to be found. There's some truth in there. There's some love in there, yeah. right? Um, no good thing. That was one of the other things the Lord was saying to me. No good thing will I withhold from you. Mm. If I gave you this amount of money over here that you want right now, it would destroy you uh -huh. because it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you can't handle it yet. Right. I have it for you. That's a good father. That's what parents do, right? Uh -huh. I'm not a parent, but there are things that you know your children want, but you can't give it to them right then and there. Sometimes when they want it, maybe they're not mature enough for right. it. Maybe they're, you know, it's too big for them, right? Same thing with money. You know, um, God graces us with what he knows that we can handle. We all have mm. a grace right. for, you know, for what it is. And we have to learn how to trust and be okay with that. Yeah. Had to kill comparison in my life. I was oh, looking wow. at other people, what yeah. other people had, what other people were doing. Yeah. I, I think there's a, this kind of conversation lends itself, I think, to the idea that, you know, we, we can trust in God. We know God wants us to, to he has a plan for us to prosper, right? Mm -hmm. that, that is, that is That's true. God wants what is best for us. Yes. And I think what can happen there is people would develop the belief that, well, if I have enough faith, mm -hmm. if I just believe on it hard enough, mm -hmm. I will be wealthy and healthy and everything will go my way. Yeah. And when things don't, mm -hmm. learning that God is still good, mm -hmm. He is still worthy of trust, that mm -hmm. we can still put our faith in Him and say, the prosperity God has for me is still true. Yes. It just may not be all those things that I was initially planning for myself. Exactly. 
Exactly. And it, it is more about your soul mm. prospering, right, than anything else that you would be healed, that you would be well, yeah. that you would be whole. And at the end of the day, whether you have money or not, has nothing to do with the healing of your soul. Yeah. And that's what God is most concerned about. Yeah. And that's what, that's the premise for the work that I do through Key Financial Solution is that we wanna help you to reach your financial goals, but at the same time, we wanna help you to prosper in your soul. Right. So the way that you kind of go about this financial advising, right? Mm -hmm. It's very holistic because mm -hmm. you're not looking at it as, okay, you know what? Like I'm, I'm a faithful person and I do my church volunteerism over here. Mm -hmm. And, and right. then, you know, through my work, I'm, I'm really here to help you with your money. And that's the end of it. You mm -hmm. look at it as I want to help you with your money as a means mm -hmm. to show you who God really is. Mm -hmm. And to show you that once we get the insecurity of money off of your mind. Yes. How you can really lean into the fullness of who God has made you to be. Absolutely. And partner with him, co-partner with him yeah. to do the things that he has assigned to your hands to do yeah. with the resources that he has given to you. Yeah. Right. Because the resources, the financial resources that the Lord has for us is not just to pay our bills. Right. He, we can have a good time. But there's other work to be done. There are other needs to be met, yeah. right? Depending upon what your assignment is, how are you to use those resources to right. help expand the kingdom, to impact the kingdom, right? right? And so, yes, that is very holistically how we approach doing yeah. financial coaching. Well, and this is something that came from your own experience, mm -hmm. right? So I, I imagine you have a, an incredible emotional as well as faithful tie mm -hmm. to all the service that you are providing. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I wonder, from what I read, it seems to me that you have a, a focus on particularly helping women. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of it's the, the business question of why limit, why narrow down yeah. to just one gender? Yeah. And the other part is, you know, is, is that a part of the call to kind of minister through this that mm -hmm. you have? Um, so the, the women piece, so the Mocha Money Meetup, Right. Let's talk about that. And that's where the women piece okay. really came in, um, because I, I do work with couples okay. as well. Um, I created the Mocha Money Meetup. We get together once a month, have a cup of coffee. Right. All and about talk about financial topics of all sorts. I did that because I know that in my generation coming up in the generations before me, we did not openly talk about money. Our parents yeah. and our grandparents did not openly discuss money right. with us. Whatever perhaps we learned is what we saw and what we assumed, right? No one really sat down with me and had a financial conversation. Um, and so I wanted to create a space, one, where I was gonna break that cycle of silence. Yeah. And I wanted to create a safe and sacred space where women could come together and ask their questions without yeah. guilt, without shame. There was no embarrassment. There were no stupid questions, mm -hmm. right? Um, and just, it just turned into 
something that I had not expected. It started out with a few of us and it just began to group because wow. grow um, because one person began to tell somebody else and they'd bring somebody yeah. else, you know, to the next session. And my intention was not really for this group to really grow. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. I just wanted to have a conversation. And so that's what happened is that it just began to draw women um, of all ages, right? Yeah. So my mothers were coming first and then they were like, oh, my daughter needs to hear this. Yeah. And the way in which the group, it was like your aunties, yeah. you know, sitting around the table and, you know, we were laughing, you know, cried together, prayed together. Um, and so that's how it started with the women. Um, with the Mocha Money Meetups, which I absolutely love. Yeah. And we're getting ready to start that back name. up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mocha Money Meetup. And um, I, I have, I've worked with men. Uh, typically, again, it's because I've had a connection with a wife. Yeah. And really what wives have actually brought me in to do is to play this money habitudes game. Okay. So that the very things that perhaps have been issues or things that perhaps, you know, have been sources of contention and conversations around money. Now we're going to play this game, right? And your money personality type is going to reveal the strength ah. and the weaknesses, right? Uh -huh. So it became a way where, you know, a wife really honestly could say, Mm, look at what the card says, yeah, right? Yeah. I've been saying this, but now here it is. And yeah. so it, it kind of would get, you know, the attention of the husband in a different kind of way. Yeah, it's interesting. But but women have really been my pull and have been, I would say, is is my ministry. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, you, you've talked a lot about this idea of kind of breaking generational patterns or generational wealth being something that mm -hmm. is obviously crucial and fundamental to a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, you, you've got experience in housing. Yeah. And now you have kind of rebranded this venture into this financial side. Mm -hmm. Both of those, housing in particular, but both of those are really been areas of oppression. They've been areas with very limited access and, and kind of intentionally limited access to people of color and throughout all of history. Yep. Generational wealth. Yes. That is something that has been hard to come by for yes. quite a lot of people. Mm -hmm. How do you see this kind of conversation, the way that you're engaging in this, mm -hmm. really helping people understand, one, God... God never wanted that for you. Mm -hmm. God never wanted you to have that lack of access. God never wanted you to be limited in that way. Right. And then two, you can be the one to break this. Absolutely. So, I mean, how do you, how do you approach that? How's that conversation go? That That's a part of what, that's a part of the courses. So like when we come together now for the Mocha Money meetups, uh, each session builds upon itself, yeah. right? So the first five or six sessions is dealing with the thoughts and the emotions and the beliefs, right? So we can lay a proper foundation, yeah. identifying your core beliefs, core values. And then the second half of those sessions is now, we're gonna talk about tax strategies, we're gonna talk about insurance, because now we're talking about building a plan, for a financial plan. Yeah. I'm not a um, financial planner, I'm a financial coach, um, but we, we help them to lay the groundwork. I bring in professionals from mm. each industry. I work with um, an estate 
attorney who comes in and talks about setting up wills yeah. and, you know, making sure that you're setting up the right kind of will and talking about investments. So we're being very holistic. And a part of that conversation is this is legacy building as well. Um, whether you have children or not, we even include charitable giving as a part of the plan. Yeah. So, so we leave no stone unturned yeah. um, in the sessions that we're doing. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I imagine that has to be empowering to, to help somebody understand the autonomy they have yes. to say, I, I will break this yes. and I will make sure that there is generational wealth and there are generational yes. habits that, that my children or yeah. my family members or mm -hmm. whoever it is mm -hmm. can build upon. Absolutely. And we say it takes it's one conversation at a time. Yeah. Right. And so that's what happens is, you know, these women, they come to the Mocha Money meetups and then it's like, oh, I want to, you know, get a deck of the cards so I can play this game with my children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or Salathia, when are you going to offer a youth version, you uh -huh. know, of this? And so it has very much done that. Um, there, we're going to be doing some um, videotaping at some point just to share some of the testimonies and stories sure. um, with the women who have been through the program over yeah. the years. And you're going to hear those stories about now how they've sent their children, adult children, to me, yeah. right? And they even now those who've gone off to college, they'll they'll call me up, Auntie Salathia, you know, um, and we'll have a conversation about yeah. their finances or what you know something that they're dealing. Yeah. So. It, something that that's come up a lot when I talk with people who work with anybody and their finances mm -hmm. is you as the one who's kind of coaching them financially. Mm -hmm. You have an incredible amount of trust. Yes. Right. Because finances, you yourself talk about this. You didn't show other people. It, there was too much shame attached. You, yeah. you don't tell people your financial situation. Yeah. The people you trust with that information, yeah. you trust implicitly. Yeah. So you have a profound, just by nature of your job, by nature of what you do, yeah. a profound voice to speak into the lives of these folks. Yes. And they're willing to reveal to you things they probably don't reveal to anybody else. Yep. And I think one, that is an incredible privilege. Mm -hmm. But how, how do you view your role, mm -hmm. especially with the kind of the God-given role that yep. you have? Yeah. It was a long question, but yeah. you know, if, if you're looking at that and you're thinking, and this is a responsibility God's placed on me. Absolutely. It, it is the responsibility. It comes with a weight and a pressure, um, but it's not mine to carry, mm. right? In the sense that um, I position myself in such a way where one, God has taken, if, if you can name it financially, I've been through it. Yeah. Bankruptcy, garnishments, repossession. You know what I'm saying? So when people come to me, there is nothing nine times out of 10 that they're going to share with me that I don't already know. Yeah. So I make space for you. Yeah. There's no judgment and there is no shame here because I know that the Lord bought me through it. You can come through it too. Yeah. And the fact that I get connected with someone I understand that's my assignment and that this is your time. Yeah. And if you want to do the work, I can help lead and navigate you through it so that you don't go back to it. Right. Yeah. And so the responsibility of that, I take very seriously. Um, I take every client in prayer. Right. I hold them in prayer. I am going to walk alongside you as long as you want me to, to mm -hmm. do the work. 
right? So that you, you're you not in it by yourself. Yeah. People, that's the thing. And I go at their pace, right? Yeah. Because it's emotional work. And sometimes we come up on areas where people have had to take a step back because it's, it's, it's triggered something, right. it's touched something. And I'm responsible, I've learned over the years to be responsible that when that happens, to provide resources for them. Oh. Um, and so now as a part of my team, I have an inner healing yeah. coach on the team. I have a spiritual formation coach mm. as a part of the team right so that we make sure that you have resources and if we're not the right resource then we have other resources for you yeah um so this this is this is about healing mm -hmm. and and i take that very seriously yeah. um and so you know i want people to come and be in my presence and feel safe yeah right and and feel like they can be vulnerable yeah. and get what they need and i can see you out in public and with and just the way that that works, I may not even be thinking about, right. you know, whatever it is we talked about in a session because yeah. it's sacred space yeah. and it's sacred work. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It is. It is amazing to see everything you've described, the whole way you've talked about this mm -hmm. faith and what you do, faith, the decisions a person makes faith and fight. It's all inextricable. Mm -hmm. It's all so tightly kind of wound and interwoven together. Mm -hmm. And I'm so used to having conversations with people think, you know, that part of me mm -hmm. that is separate and it, it, it's not, I mean, clearly, mm -hmm. and the way that you approach it is to show people, Hey, what you believe about your finances reveals what you believe about yourself and what you believe about God. Yes. That in and of itself is I think profound for a lot of people to sit in and go, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Am I trusting God yeah. in the way that I handle my finances? Am I really surrendering to God in the way I engage in my work? All of that is something you're you're approaching yeah. head on. Yeah. And I just think that is um, not common enough. So I thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I if you had to say, you know, here's here's one kind of universal concept, something that you've experienced, something you've learned, something God has walked you through, mm -hmm. that everyone mm -hmm. should be able to learn from and take from this. Mm -hmm. If you had one thing, one most important thing, mm -hmm. what would it be? Um, I think it would be from a scripture in Zephaniah 3 and 17, where it talks about how the Lord your God loves you. And I'm paraphrasing it, but yeah. the Lord your God loves you and he is singing and dancing over you, mm. right? Yeah. It is filled with so much hope and so much love and so much joy. God is not angry yeah. with us because of how we've handled our finances. What breaks his heart is that we do not invite him, who mm. is the solution problem solver, into our problems. Yeah. He wants to be in it with us. And I think if that's the thing is that there is hope on the other side of whatever it is that you're currently dealing with. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. wonderful. That's a great word. And that's a great word to end on. So thank you so much. This was awesome, Slathia. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Needle's Eye Faith and Work Show. Please share, like, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and want to see more. Needle's Eye is a faith and work community based in Richmond, Virginia. We are a nonprofit organization that seeks to help working people grow in Christ, find purpose, and transform the marketplace. Check out Needle's Eye online at www.needleseye.org. 
Here, you can find more content, check out upcoming in-person events, and learn more about partnering with us financially.